Hey everyone, we're doing things a little differently this month with the Love Story series, which is sponsored by my book. It's a love story soon to celebrate two years of existence on actual bookshelves and actual stores and on the Amazon. What? This week I'm discussing Hope Floats with my rocket scientist author friend Rebecca. That's right, she's both right-brained and left-brained. Of all the romantic movies in the world, I'm glad Rebecca picked Hope Floats. Why? Exhibit A. Harry Connick Jr. Exhibit B, Harry Connick Jr. in a straw cowboy hat. Exhibit C, this plotline. Bertie Pruitt has been humiliated on live television by her best friend who's been sleeping with Bertie's husband, Bill. Bertie tries starting over with her daughter, Bernice, by returning to her small Texas hometown, but she's faced with petty old acquaintances who are thrilled to see Bertie unhappy. Except for her friend Justin, Harry Connick Jr. As he helps Bertie get back on her feet, love begins to blossom. Thank the good Lord that love really began to blossom on the dance floor. Who wouldn't fall in love with some handsome cowboy two-stepping in a barn with a glittery horse saddle posing as a makeshift disco ball? Sign me up! Hey everyone, I'm Lindsay and welcome to the I Hate Green Beans podcast. During each episode, I'll be discussing television, movies, music, and books with friends who love pop culture as much as I do. For those of you wondering, yes, we will be talking about the Bachelor franchise. And no, I do not want to try your grandmother's famous green bean casserole recipe. But thanks for offering. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. It's episode 210 of the I Hate Green Beans podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Ray. I'm here with my dear friend, Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Rebecca is a woman of many words. She was on the show probably 100 episodes ago. I think I looked back when we were doing the original It's a Love Stories series when the book came out, and we talked about the proposal, right? Yes. With, then, San- yeah. with Sandra Bullock, and surprise, surprise, we are talking about Sandra Bullock again. Do you have a girl crush on Sandra Bullock or something? Well, I did realize only <laughs> this morning that I had, in fact, selected a second Sandra Bullock movie. <laughs> and possibly. Here's- I just still, to this day, marvel at her skin. I know. She is not young, and her skin is phenomenal. I know. And let's be honest, you didn't pick it for Sandra Bullock. You picked it for Harry Connick Jr., am I right? I did, yeah. Can I get an amen on that? What? what? Yeah, talk a little bit later about how that decision might have clouded some judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So we're doing another round of It's a Love Story because the book is going to be two years old this month. That's so weird. But we're talking about Hope Floats today from 1998. Do you know if you went to the movie theater to see this? I, I've got, I'm, I'm going to put all my money on no, <laughs> only because I was wrapping up engineering school at that time. And I think I was not frequenting a theater often. Right. So Jill and I probably went and told you all about it <laughs> in the middle of the night <laughs> when you got back from the engineering building working and we were still up eating ice cream. Fun. Anyway, it's directed by Forrest Whitaker and written by Stephen Rogers. As we said, Sandra Bullock, Carrie Connick Jr., Gina Rollins is in it. 
why did you pick Hope Floats? When Whenever we were texting back and forth about this, it was one of the first things that you texted right out of the gate. Why is that? Okay, I'm going to be very transparent here. I Googled uh, <laughs> love story movies or romantic movies or something, uh-huh. and <laughs> someone had created a well-cultivated list of the you know top romantic movies, and this one stuck out. Now, <laughs> given that... <laughs> I don't like to be challenged or cry during a movie. (laughs) And I think that I had memories of Harry Connick Jr. and thought, oh, yeah, let's talk about that. (laughs) Instead of the fact that this movie makes you cry. Oh, my gosh, it makes you cry. Yeah. And let me tell you, Hope Floats is all about a divorced woman. Hello. Who has a father with Alzheimer's slash dementia. Hello. So did yeah. I rewatch it? No, I chose not to. I chose to remember the parts that I love about it, which were not the, well, there's one part that I just is so super memorable. Tell me the parts that made you cry. Let's just get those out of, out of, over with. Let's just get them over with. Uh, well, okay. So there's the, you know, everybody remembers the little Bernice running down the road after <sighs> her dad in the car. I mean, that's terrible. Oh my gosh. And, and then, I mean, it just kicks off with little Bernice in the audience as she's like watching her mom and dad on the reality talk mm-hmm. show, like the Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Ricky, Ricky Lake, Lake or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, one of those types of shows that they're portraying. And for some reason, she, little Bernice is in the audience watching this whole thing unfold. Um, just a total train wreck. So that made me cry. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I just stopped watching during the dad with Alzheimer's <laughs> portion as I too um, have gone through a divorce of us, you know, and then uh, have a dad in a nursing home. So no. yeah. it's yeah. tough. And and again, you just fast forward because what she's, he's, well, he's looking at Bernice and saying, this is my daughter, Birdie. She's, she's destined for great things. And then they slow dance uh, get me, yeah. just get, mm-mm, mm-mm. Earlier, they have portrayed this poor dad as nonverbal, but then they must have forgotten that they had done that because in this scene, he is clearly verbal. Mm-hmm. So it was an odd inconsistency in the movie that I think is just quickly overlooked because it's so touching. Exactly. I Another time where I get just a little bit choked up is whenever her mom dies, spoiler alert, and she's looking through her mom's closet for something to wear, and then she smells her mother's clothes and starts crying into the dress. That one got me a little bit, I yeah. will say. And then the other one that just makes me uh, tear up is Travis at the end when he's just sitting by himself on the back porch. And Justin, Harry Connick Jr. comes up and, you know, you got a telegram. I've been waiting my whole life to get a telegram. How come you're sitting out here all by yourself? Where's that crazy Bernice? She's inside with her father. Everything's okay, right? Yeah. So what you feel like doing? Want to go for a walk or something? Aren't you going inside to say hi? Don't you know? I came over to say hi to you. Hi. Oh my gosh, that just gets me in the gut right then. Because that's exactly what Travis needed at that point. Because his grandmother was his person. 
And I love that he, uh, his grandmother dresses him up in different, you know, he's Charlie Chapman, he's a dog, he's a frog at one time, he's a clown. So cute. Just so, yes. so very cute. Smithville, have you ever been to the house where they filmed this? No, I didn't know you could go to yes, the house. Yes, you can. It's right down our roads. Yes. I you have only been to Smithville to go mountain biking, so I have never been anywhere but trails there. Well, I feel like this is my next stop. It is. Rebecca, it's right there. And it it truly is. You are driving down the road, and it tip it sort of dead ends. It actually goes to the right or to the left, but it dead ends into the house. And there's a big billboard that says, welcome to Smithville, home of hope floats. And it's yeah. the exact, it's, and apparently I did a little research. They filmed the whole thing there. So the, the parade at the end was all Smithville people. And it was a parade that they actually have. How did you feel about Birdie coming back to the tiny hometown? Cause you're, you're a tiny, sort of a tiny town person too. Oh, yeah. But before I get there, mm -hmm. um, I have to tell you just a throwback to the town where things were filmed. But <laughs> do you know that after we filmed the proposal, I ended up in Rockport, uh, Massachusetts? Yeah. Which is where they filmed the town scenes no. of the proposal. Oh, yeah. come no, on. No. You're just so destined fun. to visit all of Sandy's sets. This is great. In Austin next. <laughs> <laughs> One day you'll go to space and you'll say, this is gravity. Right? No. <laughs> if any of us are destined to it, you, you've got the closest connection to NASA, literal rocket science. Okay, go ahead. So have, how did I feel about returning to the small town? Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I am from the small town, but, um, well, one, I'm, I'm from Louisiana in a town that is a small town, but everybody there um, doesn't know it's a small town. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and then I went to high school for a couple of years in Huntsville, Texas, which is a small town. Yep. So I ha I can I can relate to the whole thing emotion the experience mm -hmm. of coming back to a small town. Um, however, because I moved so much, I don't really have like a hometown. Yeah, which I think was a little bit more like I, it, this movie definitely makes me think of you because your hometown is the small town. It's always been your hometown. It's your mm -hmm. parent. You know, like your you've got all those roots that are kind of a common theme throughout the movie. Of, mm -hmm. You know, just, yeah. 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 And my, my divorce didn't end up on national television, praise the good Lord. But when you're from a small town, it might as well have been because right. I too, after my divorce went back to my parents' house, cause there was nowhere else to go. And when you're from the small town, you just get that sideways head. Oh, are you okay? And we heard all about whatever. <laughs> and and it's hard because he was from the same small town. It's so you. Ha it's it's not that you pick sides or anything, but you sort of do. And his mom taught with my mom at the schools, and it it was very much. At one point, Sandra Bullock said we practically rode out of this town on a float made of toilet paper or her mom says that you practically rode out of this town on a float made of toilet paper. And I've always thought that too, that 
I wouldn't necessarily call myself popular. But again, when you're from a small town, everybody knows everybody. So everybody knew who he was and who I was. And then you go off to the big, big city of Dallas. And that's a a huge thing as well. And she had gone off to Chicago and had built this great life. And then, whoops, here comes the affair. But we're making this movie sound super duper depressing, which let's call a spade a spade. It is. Kind of is, yeah. It is. But but why I think we lean into it is the love story part and the hope mm -hmm, that floats up of you wanting Birdie to be redeemed in some way. You want her to find happiness. And that comes in the form of Harry Connick Jr., who is persistent with her and who is intentional with her and who doesn't change himself around her. And I think that's what anybody in my position would want. And so you lean into that thinking, oh, there's hope for me too. And if it looks like Harry Connick Jr., thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. What do you think he brought to the role? What do you think he, why do you think he was so good for that role? Um, Okay. I have thought a little bit about this. Uh, One thing I think that he does consistently and um, shockingly well throughout the whole thing is when he is looking at someone, he looks like he is looking with all of his attention. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so his, his eyes are really expressive. And if he is looking at a character on screen, it looks like he is looking at their soul. Wow. And so I think he does that well. Here's Mm -hmm. what I don't think he does well. He's often sweaty, just a little (laughs) too dewy for (laughs) this scene. Um, hello. He works out in the sun. Well, he's always in the sun, apparently. (laughs) He even inside, he's a little sweaty. Yeah. He does mention that, though, because the mom says, did you put on cologne? He said, no, that's just a little turpentine mixed with sweat. Yeah. Well, (laughs) a preview of things to come. I will take it. I will take it. I can handle a little bit of sweat. I found it interesting that Harry Connick Jr., who is known as this jazz really good looking jazz singer crooner who started off early in his career playing the piano and and singing is someone who became a lovable cowboy figure from texas you would never have put the two together in my opinion so somebody did a really good job casting Letting him just come and and try. Because if somebody had said, Harry Connick Jr. wants to try out for this cowboy role, I think your automatic reaction would probably be, eh, let's pass on that. But they let him come in and he got it. Yeah, and he did enough to fully carry much of that movie. I mean, it was he was so good in it. I agree. Yeah. Favorite part of the movie? Oh, I don't know. There is a correct answer. Uh-oh. Well, I know, <laughs> um, I know the part that I liked, that I laughed the most in, which I like to do. So there are definitely romantic parts, but that's not probably my favorite part. Okay. Um, I like when 
Bernice is talking to Harry Connick Jr., but mm-hmm. whose name is um, Justin, mm-hmm. and about how they had a pet skunk <laughs> whose name was Justin Batiste. And that whole like dialogue between them is so clever and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that part. So, Where she's packing up all his stuff as she's talking. And at yes. the end, he says, thanks for packing up all my stuff. Yeah. She's yeah. telling him to get out. Very cute. That is a cute part. My part, my favorite part, of course, is the dance scene. Yeah. It you yeah. just can't get any better than that, in my opinion, because that again is how I grew up. If you went to Western days, it was exactly that, except it was in the street. It was more sweet home Alabama feel, that dance scene, but it was street dances every night for Friday, Saturday. So fun. So great. You had the live band. Isn't that guy Pat Green who's playing? Jack Ingram. Jack Ingram. Ah, I get those two confused. Jack Ingram. Yeah. Which also very cool. Texas country artist. Love him. And, you know, he did not make the soundtrack. Like his song did not make it on the soundtrack. Yeah. It didn't. And, and oddly enough, Harry Connick Jr. is not on the soundtrack doing anything. But let's talk about that soundtrack. I remember the movie. I remember thinking it's sad. And the movie also happened before I was divorced. And so I didn't have any kind of that emotional connection. And, of course, Daddy didn't have a dimension then, so I didn't have that sort of connection. But I remember that I was really into soundtracks, really, really into soundtracks. And I had this one. And the it was pretty much all good. Do you remember the soundtrack? I do not remember it in the like late nineties when this came out, but I, as I was rewatching the movie last night, all I kept thinking was, man, that's a good soundtrack. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think to make you feel my love by Garth Brooks, Mm -hmm. solid, solid song. And it really fits that part of the movie. The other one though, is when you love someone by Brian Adams. Yeah. And that's the end whenever she's at the picture place and she sees the picture of Harry Connick Jr. with flowers by his truck and she looks up and there it is. So cute. That was another one that was great. I think this is when I discovered Whiskey Town because they mm. say whether I'm a flower on there and then Chances Are by Bob Seger and Martina McBride. Are you kidding me? So I was going to say, like, the whole thing was just so good. If you try to find it, though, on Amazon, it's going to cost you something stupid like 20 bucks or $25. Sometimes when soundtracks, compilations like that, you can't really find them anywhere on a Spotify or an Apple Music or anything like that for some reason. But some creative people out there have gone in and made their own Hope Floats playlist where they've just taken the single you know, the Lyle Lovett smile song and the chances are and all of that. And they just make their own little playlist. It is a soundtrack that I would put as one of my top favorite ones, maybe in my top 10 of all time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good for sure. 
That's a bold statement. And now people are going to go, well, what's the rest of your top 10? And I'm going to have to think on these things. That's what I'm going to have to do. That's what I'm going to have to do. But I also read that Patrick Swayze's mom did all the choreography for the dance scene. Oh, I thought um, Sandra Bullock shimmy just a little. Like, there was a lot of shimmy happening in that. I thought it must have been, like, choreographed. She did. She shimmied, and so did Harry Cotton Jr., and I also remember thinking, now that is cute wearing a dress with boots. I don't think I was yeah. doing that before 1998. Right. Yeah. I know I wasn't. Yeah. But I definitely did it after. One of my favorite pictures of you and Bob is you in that blue dress, that royal blue dress with your cowboy boots on. I don't I know where y'all were going. I on to that trend. <laughs> <laughs> Just a solid 10 to 12 years later. <laughs> when, you started, when you started wearing your sock short. <laughs> Zip it. <laughs> oh. Is there anything that you would have changed about the movie? Well, I got to tell you, in 1998, I loved it. What rewatching it now made me realize um, that there are definitely some elements to it that are dated. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, right? In, in the same way, like Seinfeld's dated, right? Like yeah. they're talking about how fast can you type, and she's working at a Moto Photo or a one-hour photo place, mm-hmm. like things that just simply don't exist anymore. But also some of the concepts that, like the broader concepts of the movie, I I think were probably either I didn't know them to be kind of offensive this go round, and I definitely didn't even notice them the first time watching it. You know, what like this was notion. kind of offensive. Well, there were weird things. Like there were like, there were some pretty big parenting fails in the first five minutes of the show that I thought. We wouldn't be telling the little seven-year-old, take the wheel. Don't be a crybaby. Take the wheel. (laughs) You don't do that to your children right now? No, but I do remember taking the wheel as a child. So at some point, it was okay. And it wouldn't be. (laughs) Okay. That's funny. What's some more of those? Um, so, so along the parenting fail lines, then just 30 seconds later, you know, Bernice is down on the ground with her head on the seat in the front seat (laughs) driving to Texas, which again, that just would never happen. You know, the taking her to the talk show felt like a parenting fail, but she thought her mom was getting a makeover. Yeah, just, 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 I feel like you ought to know better at this point, but I think fundamentally, that I think really she hangs on, Bertie hangs on to her marriage for a long time and like references being a married woman yep. and, and this notion of my husband's leaving me and my child and like, and abandoning both. I think if it were redone today, there would be talk about you know, co-parenting in a way that didn't feel like it's one or the other, like you're, it's both of us or none of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I think if it were redone today, it, she would have been, there would have been more of an independence that I think the, that kind of dependence on a husband was very, very appropriate, especially for a woman in the South. But I think, you know, mm-hmm. at, for a time that I think is dated now. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Do you think Justin should have stayed in California building stuff? No. I don't want to miss out on seeing <laughs> Justin. <laughs> I feel like whatever brought Justin to Smithville was good. Would you fish with Justin Matisse? Yeah. Would you walk around in the house he was building? Um, not so much the way Sandra Bullock did where she was possibly trying to snort the woodwork. I mean, she was definitely, it was more of a sensual woodwork experience for her than it would have been for me. But, but I could have enjoyed the fact that he was building a house. Okay. Harry yeah. Connick Jr. in a cowboy hat. Yes or no? Mm, all day long. All day. And that's surprising too, but all day long. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Do you have any lessons learned from Hope Floats that after watching it again, does there anything that sticks out to you that thought that's pretty good advice? Obviously we had some parenting fails and you wouldn't have a sensual experience sniffing wood, but <laughs> is there anything else that sticks with you that you thought, now that withstood the test of time. Okay. So, you know, when she's in the temp agency office and well, there were two things. Okay. I'm going to say two things. Okay, good. I feel like we're, you know, stood the test of time. One is when she's in the temp agency office and she's talking to Polka Dot, they're her, you know, like yep. that's the high school nickname. And, you know, now this lady is obviously in a position of authority and, and Bertie is asking for a job from her. I thought, you know, she was in kind of a humbling position mm -hmm. and the way she handled it, I think was really like a, a good takeaway. Like, okay, that was well done where she, you know, kind of owned up to, Hey, I, I don't remember the way I treated you in high school, but I'm assuming it was pretty bad. Right. Like, yeah. Um, and then just, you know, humbled herself and asked for help. And I thought, Oh, that was well done, Bertie. That's good. Good job. And so I, I thought that, uh, was a good takeaway. The other thing that I thought was interesting, and it was a common thread through the whole movie, and it, we've touched on it already, but the concept of, like, certainly por a portion of it is the, t the small town and going back to the small town where everybody knows you. But also, you know, for whatever reason, those four years of high school are so formative that they really do shape your own trajectory in life. But also you tend or can tend, as certainly was evidenced by the movie, to, to see people through that same high school lens, mm. kind of no matter how old they become or how different or more mature or grown up or whatever they develop into, you could still very easily put them in the same bucket uh, that they were in as high school, yeah. high schoolers. So, yeah. Well, that's an interesting thought there. Wow. I, it's funny. I was just, I saw a guy on Facebook from my high school who I haven't seen in, I don't know, 25 years maybe. And he's running his own business. And I remember thinking, how can he be running his own business? He's only 18 years old. And because your 10 year high school reunion, you don't know yet. You don't have your feet under you yet. You, right. you don't know what you are and where you are. You think you do. And you might be going down that path. But, man, the 25-year reunion is what I want to go to. And just yeah. that, man, that's coming up. Mm, let me do some math now. More. And, you know, I've, since I changed high schools four times, I've never gone to a reunion. Oh, Rebecca. I know. Yeah. Do you want me to arrange that for you? 
No. Okay. I don't even know which one I'd go to. <laughs> and I know that they're not even a thing anymore, which kind of makes me sad because everybody knows everybody about everything from social media, if you're on yeah. social media. And yeah. that's what's so funny, too, because I have people who will, I remember when I had my appendix out and they would ask me how I was doing and how I was feeling. And I thought, I haven't even told you that my appendix were out, but I had written about it. And I, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's how you know. Okay, that's funny. I feel like you need to put a link to the show notes where you write about your my appendix, appendicitis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or and and I think it's included in the book. It is um, in the why book. I hate green beans. Yes, yeah. it is. Well, oh, thanks God. for the it, plug. <laughs> it is perhaps the funniest. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so it's terrible. Awesome. But you know what, Rebecca, you're in it, and I, you're in it a lot. But I, I contribute me not dying of a burst appendix to you because you're the one who said your stomach has been hurting for a very long time. You need to go to, and you told me to go to emergency care clinic and I did. And they did all the things. Everybody thought I was pregnant. Everybody thought I was pregnant and didn't want to own up to it. They, the guy said, if you develop, um, if you develop a, a fever, you need to go to an ER. And I developed a fever an hour later. So if you hadn't told me to go to the guy who gave me muscle relaxers, um, I wouldn't have ended up in the, I wouldn't have ended up at the ER and then somehow at a hospital. I don't remember a lot of all of that. I think that's when you and Laura and maybe Renell took over or something. I'm not sure. Caroline. Oh, hi, Caroline. It's very, um, all of that's very fuzzy for me. Although there was a very Harry Connick Jr. looking doctor that night who wore boots with his scrubs. Yes. You want to talk about uh, attractive. I wonder if he, I wonder if he does surgery in his boots. Surely not. Wouldn't that hurt after a while? I don't know how long it takes to rip out an appendix, but he was great. Yeah, he was hunky for sure. And I tried to suck in. (laughs) You know where your appendix are located on your body. And they tell you to sit up and they're poking around. And I wanted to lay down because, you know, everything kind of settles in and you don't look as fluffy as you might really be. So I'm trying to suck in for the hot doctor. <clears throat> but that hurts. So then I quit and then I pass out from pain. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But anyway, <laughs> let's hope floats. Would you say yes? Go. Wa- How did you watch it? Where did you watch it? Like last night yeah. or the first time? No, last night. Uh, I watched it in my room. <laughs> On the TV. Oh, you mean like how? I was like, well, I mean, I was doing dishes for part of it. So I was on my phone. <laughs> Amazon Prime. Let's do it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> All right. Y'all need to watch it in your bedroom. On Prime. It is okay. not on Netflix and it was not on Hulu. Did you have to pay so, for it? I did. I rented it. Look at you go. How much was it? Like $1.99? Um, I think it was three something. Sure. I think I like sprung oh. for it. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for going above and beyond. For a movie that, by the way, makes you cry. <laughs> Heads up. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> You'll deny the truth. Believe a lie. Fly
Hey, thank y'all for listening. And thank you, Rebecca, for helping me continue my It's a Love Story series. It's going to be such a fun month. I hope you guys like it. Remember, one of the best things you can do to support a podcast is to review the show on iTunes. It would be an honor if you headed over there and left us your thoughts. Make sure to follow me on all the socials. You can find me at Lindsay on Twitter and at Lindsay Ray on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out my real books, Why I Hate Green Beans and It's a Love Story. You can find them wherever books are sold. And the Why I Hate Green Beans books book has the infamous appendectomy story. I believe it's three chapters. It was that bad. Y'all stay safe, have courage, and be kind out there until we're together again. Love you, mean it. Texas forever. You sacrifice. 